Till I'm tiptoed you Dot com The podcast about pop culture Black history and spirituality Yeah It's about to be a great vibe Dr. Tip Gonna take it away Till I'm tiptoed you Hey, it's your girl Tip. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Tell Em Tip Told You, the podcast where I share my musings with you about black history, black culture, and black spirituality. I got some things I want to talk to you about today, but let me begin by saying I ain't saying nothing about Will and Chris. All right. Now, granted, we're going to hit some things tangentially. But I'm sick of it. We done done that to death, okay? If you want to know my thoughts on it, go over to Instagram and watch the live I did the next morning. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's just jump right into the rest of this, okay? Um, So here's the thing. I want to talk today about hypocrisy and respectability politics. Because... Although I don't want to talk about Will and Chris, I do think it's important for us to talk about the reactions to Will and Chris. Um, And I'm going to say some things that I think are correct. So if you know better than what I'm saying, please correct me. I always invite you to give me feedback at drtip at tellemtiptoldyou.com. You know, just email me. Let me know Uh, if you have very strong opinions you can hit me up on the website, www.tellemtiptoldyou.com, and go on and fill out the form to be a podcast guest. Uh, because although this podcast is about my musings, it does not mean that I can't learn and I can't grow. So I'm here just you know, sharing my thoughts with you, but that doesn't invalidate anyone else's. Unless they just plain wrong. You know, that's a whole nother story. But let's, let's just... Uh, so here's what... I want to say this first before I get into anything. If you have followed the podcast, the very first episode of this podcast, I said that I loathe think pieces. That has not changed. All right. I am tired of people reacting quickly with such definitive declarations about what thus saith the Lord. <laughs> I, You know, I, I abhor think pieces. I think they come out too quickly. I think if they come out too quickly, you have not given yourself time to think. Um, and so I may have been a little bit of a hypocrite because I did go live the next day. I hope, though, that if you watched that live or if you choose to go watch it, what you'll see is me thinking through the process, right? Interacting with people as we um, unpack it together because... And I prefer that to a written think piece, because in a written think piece, you're saying this is what is like you're being very declarative. And there's not a whole lot of room for the reader to tell you're still thinking through the issues. Hopefully in the live, you see me thinking through the issues, because I want to say this. We should not rush. We should not have knee jerk public reactions to certain things. Right. We should take the time to process them see where they land with us, and then respond, right? I'm okay with responding like, did y'all see that, right? But to say, oh, this is the result of this brother's trauma or, you know, 
that, you know, that's a little much. That's a little much because you've not processed it yet. So I wanted to start with that, that I am purposeful and it's been a delay since I'm going to address these issues. And again, I'm not going to talk about who was right, who was wrong. If you follow me, you know what team I'm on. Hashtag will. But, you know, if <laughs> this isn't that, this is about our reactions to that. And here's the first thing I want to say is some of us have an issue with seeing black women protected. It makes us slightly uncomfortable. And that can come from a a number of different reasons. But I was shocked that so many people, um, I don't know, you seemingly felt uncomfortable. I don't know how else to say that. So I'm not going to, because I don't want to do what I'm about to tell you irritates me. Um, but I think we, some of us need to unpack that. We need to sit with why that makes us uncomfortable. We'll watch movies about it all day and all night. Y'all remember higher learning? I'm a 90s, you know, I was in college in the 90s. So y'all remember in higher learning where Regina King's character called O'Shea Jackson, Jackson's character about being um, called a black bitch by the white dude? And, and all the black dudes went to her defense. Like that's, that's the culture I grew up in. So I see, I see those things. I see this thing through the lens of that's the culture I live, where a woman should be able to say, hey, you saw what he did to me? And there'd be a cavalry coming. Like that's, I, yeah. I, I'm, again, I'm not getting into the specifics of that case, but I am saying that there seems to be a cultural shift that I don't like. Um, from that 90s higher learning type era to now, because I remember all my friends, when that happened in the film, we were, <laughs> oh boy, right? And maybe it's that some of you think you have more to look, oh, let me, I'm jumping y'all. I'm gonna, I'm probably going to be jumping a lot in this because one, I'm still thinking through some of these things, um, but two, because I have so much to say, all right? You know, one of the things uh, that I think it was Gwendolyn Brooks wrote about, she wrote about the relationship that had to occur between elders and youth in order for movements to survive. Or was this Ella Baker? Both of them said similar things. So I can't put I can't put this in either one's mouth, but I can say it was a sentiment of some of the elder women to the movement. OK, um, and it's the idea that. Youth relatively speaking, have little to lose. So the energy of the moment they can fully capitalize on because they don't have to have, they don't have jobs to worry about. They don't necessarily have children to worry about yet. And so they can take more risks than an elder who feels like they're tied to breadwinning for the family, so on and so forth. They can make different kinds of decisions. And they, they argued that's why you need to involve the youth in these movements, so on and so forth. So as I'm reflecting on the fact that when Higher Learning came out, all of us cheered at this scene. I'm seeing some of those same people um, say that there is no place for violence. And I'm like, OK, what happened? Is it the you just grew up and now you have more responsibilities and you're afraid of losing those responsibilities? Or did you drink the Kool-Aid and you just believe, no, there's no place for violence? Like, I'm, I, 
that I'm still unpacking where that is. But I want you to sit with that if you're one of those people who would have probably appreciated or you know exactly what I'm talking about from higher learning and you were cheering, but now you're critiquing. Like, I want you to figure out what happened in life to, to pull you away from a certain standard of living. And to that end, let me say something about living in a system that do- doesn't want you to operate in a certain way. It is normal to have some shifts occur that you're not always conscious of. But I think God's spirit allows these kinds of things to happen to kind of shake the wool from over our eyes, you know, kind of clear some things up and you see again where you stand, which is what I was doing with the comments. Like, you know, it was amusing to me to not amusing. I guess amusing is the word. Y'all know I I got I caught the tickles because Will did the George Jefferson walk back to his seat. So <laughs> I caught the tickles from that. So I was amused by the act itself. Um, but the commentary of lay people has been quite disruptive in my spirit. Like I, I can't. I'm moving a certain I'm seeing people move in a way that makes me lose respect. Like the first day I was very intentional about not blocking anybody, not deleting anybody because I knew that the reaction was fresh and that people probably needed to sit with it a little longer. But the longer people sat with it and the more problematic their responses were, oh, baby, I was deleting and blocking left and right. Okay, because I do believe that spirit sometimes gives us experiences to clarify things. And I think for many of us, we had to see who has bought into the Kool-Aid and drank it, drunk it, drank it, and who hadn't, all right? Because you don't want to, um, comrades are comrades, and I got to trust that you'll have my back. And some sometimes when these things happen, what it allows for us to do is to review who is a comrade and who's not. Right. Who just been faking the funk? Who are we just familiar with rather than are we in this together? My grandfather used to say all the time, if you're counting your friends on more than one hand, you're counting too many. And I think for black people engaged in a certain kind of politics, it's important that we know who we're with. Right. Mama Harriet couldn't take everybody. Everybody wasn't supposed to go with her. It doesn't mean she disliked you. It just meant that you, your, your journey was not the same. You weren't traveling in the same direction. Um, I can't s- stay here, though, to make you comfortable. I've got to keep moving. And I believe that sometimes we get opportunities to look around us, see who is reacting to what in what kind of way, and make our determinations of whether it's time to keep moving or if we're going to stay with that person. So I just wanted to talk about, you know, hopefully that's what it was for you and that you did not fall too much into the judgment, which is the second thing I wanted to talk about. It it surprised me that so many people were so judgmental, right? Like, again, again, I'll tell you the first day I kind of let some stuff slide because it's the knee jerk. Which I don't know if we should let that slide because that might tell us more about where your true self lies. But that's another story for another day. Um, But people who who went into it with judgment. Let me just say what I want to say. I thought it was unethical for a. (laughs) This is where I'm going to speak what I think. Y'all got to clarify if I'm wrong or not. 
isn't it unethical for a psychologist or psychiatrist to diagnose someone they've never treated? Like they've never met, never had a conversation with? Isn't it? I thought that was unethical, right? A whole lot of folk with that label, psychologist, were saying that this was a result of that, or this person is suffering from this, or this person is suffering from that. How y'all do that? Where they do to that? Like, okay, I, I'm not a therapist. I'm a life coach. So I don't have a board of ethics or a, uh, a standard of ethics, code of ethics that tells me I can't. And, and plus, I wasn't trying to diagnose. But some folks out here diagnosing, you, they didn't, you didn't convince yourself that this man behaved in this way because he has a trauma. And I'm like, what the, what the heck? What? 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 Listen. You can't speak with such authority on an issue when you don't know them people. You don't know them people. Okay, so that was number one with my irritation. Number two with the irritation was the judgment. Like some of y'all, I I know you in real life. I have seen you buck bad in the club. Which which brings me to my next point. This respectability politics that some of y'all have, this respectability, this respectability respectability politics problem that some black folk have, it makes my teeth itch, baby. (laughs) It makes my teeth itch. I really want you to sit with, uh, so just reflect on yourself for just a moment. If those two people had been in the backyard at a cookout, having a good time, Frankie Beverly and May is playing in the background, you can smell the smoke from the grill, uh, you know, it's a it's a Bones game going on at this table. They play in spades, tunk at this table. You know, the kids run around uh, with the cheap little sodas in the cooler. If if the same thing had happened there and you wouldn't have had a problem with it, baby, let me tell you, you are shaping your behavior for the white gays and that ain't never cool. Right? Because it was a bunch of people that I know personally who were like, yeah, you know, it really wasn't a problem. It was where? Oh, let's unpack that. Somebody actually came on my page on Facebook and said, that set us back 400 years. Listen, listen, let me say this clearly. Let me say it clearly. People who think you are primitive and savage already think that. People who already identify black men as violent they already did that. People who say now they feel unsafe, they already felt that way. This just gives them an opportunity to say it out loud. But th- the feeling was already there. So why are you performing for people like that anyway? They're shaping your behavior. See, okay. Y'all can't talk about how you want to be free, but you're letting their gaze, not even them saying nothing to you, but their presence shape your behavior that ain't freedom. I just want to put that there. That's not freedom. If them being in the room with you shapes how you respond to certain things that have nothing to do with them. Right. So if you were one of those people saying it made us look bad. Do you understand the people who, quote unquote, think you're bad because of what this one person or two people did? They already expected you to be a bad person. 
Why are you shaping your behavior for people like that? That's not what freedom looks like. I, I can't get over the fact that some of us still think we, can, we have to perform our humanity in order to be recognized as humans. If someone wants to see you as a beast, you will always be a beast in their eyes. And it doesn't matter if you're a nice, respectable beast or not, because that's what you're seeing. Some of you may be a little uncomfortable because you saw the quote unquote respectable Negro turn into a thug overnight because of one thing. And you realize that maybe you're not a respectable Negro in their eyes. But you're really just a thug waiting on the incident. Like some of us sit with that is part of what made you uncomfortable. The fact that you saw how easily you can fall from grace. And I'm putting grace in air quotes. All right. Is that part of what happened to you? I'm just saying. I also want to talk a little bit about hypocrisy, right? Because white folk have used this. Y'all got white comedians out here calling a sister a bitch and you ain't said nothing because you busy doing it yourself. There's a whole lot of misogynoir in this that we have to deal with. Not to mention, not to mention, because, okay, you know, on this podcast, I talk about centering culture. Y'all know what it means to talk about a black woman's hair. Don't act like all of a sudden you don't understand that. And some of you, the only problem you have with Will is that he protects a woman that you probably can't pull. Okay? Because I saw a whole lot of that. Men reacting, not because they have a problem with what happened necessarily, but because they have a problem with a certain kind of woman being protected. A woman with full sexual autonomy is unattractive to a lot of y'all and you're told on yourself. And I hope my sisters and my misters who like misters, I hope y'all were watching how people responded to it. And although the child was in her seat and ain't said nothing, uh, caught all the hate. Like what? You had to look around to find the woman to hate because you couldn't hate on either one of these people? Come on. It's a whole lot of misogynoir. And I again will repeat, I think it comes from men who couldn't pull a Jada. That, that's just my opinion. My inbox is open to you. You can come on the podcast. I'm telling you what Tip says. I'm saying, if you have a problem with, if you're saying um, she's been disrespecting him, please understand that he... That, since the night, y'all, I told y'all I was in college in the 90s. When they hooked up, there were rumors upon rumors upon rumors of them having an open relationship. And the only reason some of y'all ashy, dusty Negroes have a problem with her is because it turned out that she was doing it too. All right. As long as your assumption was that Will was the one stepping out, you were cool with it. But the moment you made the assumption or you it, it was put in your face that she may have had extracurricular events and both of them, both the husband and the wife say that there was no infidelity. You still got a problem with it. That, that's just I want you to reflect on that. Just sit with it for a moment. 
Why? If they made a decision in their marital bed, the Bible said the marriage bed is undefiled. I need y'all Christians to not pick and choose. Okay. If this man and this woman who are married made a decision about the nature of their relationship, it ain't got nothing to do with none of y'all ashy Negroes that's got a problem with it. Okay. I just wanted to say that. I also wanted to point out how happy she looked, how happy he looked in some of those post award show pictures, that family picture that they posted later that night. Beautiful. Speaking of posting, if you saw the live, I'm going to say again, y'all. Now, before the award show on Will's TikTok, they making the, the, the gas face. Talking about they coming to bring chaos. Now, I, I just want to put that there. And I, I still, I will continue to wonder if we're all being had. I will continue to wonder that. I will continue to wonder that. <laughs> so I, just, I just want to put that out there for a moment. I don't know. I haven't looked at, at his TikTok lately because I don't follow him. But if you, I want you to go see it. I don't know if it's still there. But his TikTok from that Sunday afternoon, go watch it and tell me that. Anyway, just go watch that. I wanted to get back to this respectability politics because white people found a, a reason to be vocal about some feelings they already had. Like, you know, us um, causes the event to be less classy. Never mind that y'all been awarding racists, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Racists, rapists, and all of the above. <laughs> um, I just, I want you to, to sit with that. That this gave so many black people's reactions to uh, the wife in particular caused some white comedians to feel comfortable calling her a bitch. Can you please see the error in your ways? All right. That's all I'm going to say about that. But I do want to say something about this uh, respectability politics and hypocrisy. So. We know that the Academy has giving awards to people who have done un untoward things. You got Jim Carrey, a white man, putting his mouth on Halle Berry, a black woman, unwantedly on the stage. And I don't remember this kind of outrage. Right. You see how there might be some subtle politics underneath that we don't see. The Academy never talked about um, taking his award away from him. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. So there's some hypocrisy here and y'all are performing for people who are these kind of hypocrites. And let me say this. Some of y'all, this, this is one of those points of irritation. I was irritated by how many black folk were passing along this headline of Will Smith resigning from the Academy as a kind of gotcha moment. See, we told y'all that it was good consequences too, and he's losing everything. Are you crazy? I bet you don't even know what the Academy does or is. <laughs> you just, you think he's being punished, so you share it widely. Come on, y'all. I Googled it because I don't know. Like, I I didn't know. I, I saw the headline and I thought to myself, self, that don't look like a big deal, so... I wanted to go look and see, is he losing millions of dollars? Will he never be able to be in a motion picture again? Like, what, what does he lose? Okay, so from what I could tell, the Academy's membership, you got to pay dues. That's number one. You got to pay dues. Um, you get tickets to the award shows. Um, you can have free screenings of your films. 
I don't know why you need that. And you anyway, you got free film um, screenings and you get to vote for these awards. And y'all act like resigning from that is a big deal. I don't think that's a big deal. I, it, <laughs> it's like, OK, you can't be a member of the secret boys club. That's a, a, a club full of assholes. Why would you? I, what are you losing? I actually applaud the brother. I mean, I just, some of y'all have confused proximity with power and you think to be in the quote unquote academy is some powerful thing for an actor. What? What? It might help you schmooze a little bit. It might help you network and break into the industry. But um, Will Smith is already there. I don't think he has to, you know, move in the same kind of, you know, just, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal. But it did reveal to me, those of you who believe that proximity to power is the same as power. That you think to, um, my sister and I were talking about this, to have a certain position in a school. <laughs> I'm about to step on some toes. Some people to think that to have a certain position in a school means you have power. I'm here to tell you it does not. It does not. Now, the school board got some power, but if you're just a principal, yeah. <laughs> Not really. Right? I, I, the principal gets to interpret what the school board tells him or her to do. You get your directions and you got to interpret how to, you know, implement. But there ain't no power. Some of y'all think to have these titles means you have power. You're still working in a system that denies you access to humanity. And you think you got some power. You better start some instances. See? Okay. <laughs> Your ancestors created institutions because they knew that having your own institution was the way to ensure power. Some of y'all have traded that for the opportunity to sit at other folks' tables. Now, I'm not being 100% judgmental in this because one, you got to eat. And number two, I think we do deserve to sit at their tables. But we cannot ever confuse the opportunity to sit at their table with the, the misbelief that it is our table just because we're sitting there. Or that it's a table where things good happen for us because we're sitting there. Some of us just need to be at the table so we can watch and listen. Don't be confused by <laughs> whether or not you for real. Get the information, bring it home to your institutions. I, I'm going to drop that because it's going to get too personal. I just want to say that, okay? Um, but I do want to go back to this hypocrisy piece. Let me give you an example of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is a junior congressman bragging about sex orgies with cocaine and then voting against the legalization of marijuana. That's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is Lauren Handy being an anti-abortion activist and them finding five fetuses at her home. That's hypocrisy. And these are the kinds of people that some of you want to perform for. These are the kinds of people that you want to prove your humanity to. And there is a problem there. And I'm just here to suggest we got a real problem. 
Now, I want to bring my sister Kalila on soon so that we can unpack some other stuff that I heard. Again, this is not necessarily about the two, uh, even the families, right? We're not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about black folks' reactions to what happened. I hope that's been clear in this episode. I, I, I really, I said what I said about what team I'm on, okay? In terms of how I interpret what happened. This ain't that. Today, I want us to sit and reflect on our reaction to that, okay? I just, I, I, I just feel the need for us to do that. So I wanted to talk to you about those respectability politics and the hypocrisy involved. But I do want to leave you with something else. You know, some of you may have heard me say it before. I'm not going to try to explain it. Not now and not probably ever. I welcome somebody on the podcast that can talk through it. A physicist, because I don't really fully understand. I'm going to tell you how I understand. And then I'm going to tell you what I want you to do. So this there's this thing I, I came across called double slit theory. There was this uh, Twitter thread and people were talking about what do you know in your field that sounds like, you know, whatever to to the common person. And so I'm a nerd and I was enjoying learning all of these things from different fields. Um, and a physicist posted about double slit theory and other scientists were like, yes, that is crazy. Can you believe it? If you know, this and this and this. So I, you know me, so, okay, let's figure out what double slit theory is. So I watched some videos. I found some books and some academic articles, the academic articles. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna hold you. They were kind of over my head. I read academic articles all the time, but that, that stuff, because I don't think I share the same foundational knowledge base kind of work challenging. But here's what I did walk away with. The understanding that double slit theory basically says that the universe will provide for you, will allow you to see what it is you expect to see. Let me say that again, because it it blew my mind. There are experiments that these folks have done, right? When they expect to find a wave, they see a wave. When they expect to find particles, they see particles. And you can't cheat it. What you expect to find is what the universe will show you. And they, meaning scientists, cannot explain why sometimes they look for the waves and they see the waves. Sometimes they look for particles and they see the particles. They can't account for the difference other than something knows what you expect and gives it to you. Now, I just want to pull back and go to the wisdom of the elders. Like some of us think it's new agey stuff, but the wisdom of the elders say, What your heart says is true. What you expect is true. What you speak is true. What is your expectation? And I realized when I discovered double slit theory, I'm 48 years old. When I discovered double slit theory, maybe like two, maybe a month and a half ago, it changed how I prayed. It changed how I prayed. And I'm not talking about theological different. Or maybe Is that a theological difference? I don't, I don't know enough about theology to even tell you if it's a theological difference. What I'm telling you is it didn't change like who I believe I'm praying to or how, the, the ritual for the prayer. It didn't change any of that. What it changed was how I entered the prayer. Right before. And I, I grew up Christian. Y'all know I say all the time I'm Christian plus. I grew up in a very Christian household. My father's a minister. My God, my grandfather was a deacon. Um, you know, my grandmothers were heavy in the church. 
I grew up in that kind of household, but I am Lukumi. I'm a Paletta, you know, all of that other stuff. So I'm Christian plus, okay? My grandfather was a conjure man, the same one that was a deacon. Yes, that's true. So, you know, all of that, that boils into me. And I have always, because of that, been conditioned to pray, right? When things happen to me and I need help, I don't have a problem sending up a prayer, Lord. And I will send up my timber too. I'll say thank you. So I have never had a problem with that. What double slit theory really awakened me to was the fact that I was praying without expectation. I'm going to say that again. The mistake that I was making was that I was praying without expectation. Meaning, Lord, heal so-and-so. And then you put the prayer out there and you walk away like it don't mean nothing. Or, God, I really want... uh, a new car, and you put the prayer out there and you walk away from it, right? That's kind of how I had been praying my whole life. Lord, my heart hurts. You know, this this person left this relationship and I feel abandoned. I feel lost. Please help me heal. And then I walk away from it. And I realized when I learned about double split theory, when I was praying, I was not intentional about letting God know what I expect I was asking for the healing, not necessarily expecting the healing. I was asking for opportunities without necessarily expecting the opportunities. That's a fine line. Y'all, I'm, I'm saying this like it's, a, uh, like it's a chasm of difference between the two kinds of prayer. Because I think I always had some degree of faith. It's only now that I'm realizing that that faith can be directed. Does that make sense? Or am I making sense? Because, again, this is one of the things I'm still thinking through. Um, Hopefully that can make some sense, though, that if I am here's an example I gave with some clients last night. Why y'all didn't sign up for the group coaching? You should have signed up for the group coaching. Do it next time. Anyway, I was having this conversation with the group last night where I said, if you're praying for a new wardrobe, you have to make room in your house to receive that. Like begin purging what you have. That's how you pray with expectation. God, I want healing in my life. And then you going out and seeking ways to heal your body is praying with expectation, right? God, I'm going back to school. I need help going back to school. You... Seeking out um, some programs, some tutors, maybe some admissions coaches, whatever you got to do, that's praying with expectation. Like you, you make you make it known to spirit. These are the things that I want. But you do it from a place of expectation, not from a place of begging. Like some of us pray and we just beg and we just please God do this for me. Right? And I, I'm not saying that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I am telling you, though, <laughs> since double slit theory changed my perspective on some things, I am seeing that prayers answered like very quickly, <laughs> really quickly, like little things. Just, OK, so just do me a favor. Just try it. I want you to go watch some some YouTube because the if you feel like you can get into the articles, go Google Google Scholar some double slit theory articles, because I don't want you to think this is just some conspiracy stuff. No, this is 
science, science, okay? But you might have to supplement the, the articles like I did with the YouTube videos to kind of triangulate an understanding, right? Um, but when I started to see it, like it, let me say something about how I believe science works and why I'm so anti-conspiracy theorist. Um, I'm trained, right, to do a certain thing in scientifically, right? I'm a trained diasporic scholar and literacy scholar. That's what I'm trained to do. So I know how to sit in the archives. I know what to do with data after I collect it. I know how to collect data. You know, I, I am disciplined in that fashion. I want to say that because it's my pet peeve for people to say they research something and then they go to Google and then they think they've done it anyway. <laughs> okay. So, but the science does not replace my faith. So although I'm trained in these ways, I very much, it's you can go pull up my thesis or my dissertation and see that this is the God's honest truth. As much as I am trained to, to collect the empirical data like what I just described, I also collect empirical data through dreams, through my ancestors sending me messages, through <laughs> readings, divination, so on and so forth. They don't contradict each other to me. And so I'm telling you, when I encountered double slit theory, there was an opportunity to approach it with my quote unquote rational mind, right? But there is an opportunity for me to test it with my spirits. Okay, y'all, if this is true, I'm seeing now that this is true. This is what y'all have been saying for eons. The Odu Ifa is full of this stuff. The Bible is full of this stuff. Conjure is full of this stuff. That the power of life and death reside in the word. Where your heart is, there you will be also, you know, all that kind of stuff. Show me this for real. And y'all, I promise the moment I started praying with expectation, it started popping like this. So I just wanted to leave you on that, that note, I, because, you know, we got to deal with the respectability and the hypocrisy. We in our communities, we really, really have to deal with that on the, the macro level. But on the micro level, I really want you to reflect on what it is you expect. And here's the roundabout, because I wanted to bring it back. Either we're going to expect to be free or you can expect to mimic the ones who are hypocrites. And that's all I got to say about that. Y'all have a good one. Tell them to touch you.